I have an incredible daughter called Adelaide. She is seven years old and she was born deaf. Uh, although for those of you that know her will know that that has never caused her a problem when it comes to being heard. Uh, you can hear her literally coming streets and streets away. But one of the wonderful things about having a daughter who is deaf is that we've had to learn to sign. And one of the signs that gets used often in our home is this. Grumpy. Stop being grumpy. You know, now I'd love to tell you that this is me saying this to Adelaide, uh, but I'm afraid just as often it's the other way around. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, a few months ago, uh, I, I spoke to us at our Sunday gathering about, about the lockdown grump. You know, the reality is, uh, for me at least, that the change and uncertainty, the unfulfilled expectations of this season, which we're all experiencing, have led to grumpiness and grumbling. And of course, this is not just a COVID experience. Now, one of the things that Charlotte, my wife and I, try to do each week is to go out for breakfast on a Friday morning. Uh, it's, it's a date. Uh, it works better for us uh, to do that than to try and get out on, on an evening. And we often go to like a fancy place and we treat ourselves. And, uh, and I love to get the full English, which is full. You know, and every time Charlotte tries to encourage me just to go for the half English, um, but it just never feels quite right. And, uh, and actually, if I'm honest, on one occasion, my breakfast has turned up and there were only a couple of pieces of bacon, which didn't meet my expectation of the mountain of bacon that I've often been presented. And uh, I started to get grumpy. You know, obviously this is bacon that we're talking about here. And so I called the waiter over and I brought a challenge to the amount of bacon that I'd been served. Uh, and I got more bacon. Even though the truth is, along with the sausage and the beans and the toast and the eggs and the black pudding and the tomato and the mushrooms, I already had plenty of bacon. But when my expectations weren't met, when change was thrust upon me, I got grumpy. No matter how much other good stuff was on my plate. You know, I find myself getting grumpy about the things I feel are being taken away. Now listen, bacon is serious business, but I'm sure that there are a ton of other examples that we could all give, you know, actually in this season and out of it, of how change, <laughs> uncertainty or unmet expectations has left us grumbling. And, uh, and in this season, I think as members of this church family, you know, as we find ourselves confined again and again by new laws and restrictions, you know, whether that's now the rule of six or, or new limits on our social freedoms or, or, or for us the ban on congregational singing, you know, regardless of what other good stuff is going on, we can find plenty to grumble about. And today, as we continue to journey through the Exodus story, we find the Israelites, uh, and they're in a really similar position. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. 
the Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord that brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumblings against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. That evening, the quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Thanks, Jamie. Um, I think that was Greg's from heaven at the end there. Um, let's pray. God, inspire us by your Holy Spirit as we look at your word. Help us to trust you today. Amen. Amen. So, um, so let's remember the scene. Okay, The people of God had been slaves in Egypt uh, and then God pulls off the most dramatic rescue using Moses and his brother Aaron who confronts Pharaoh uh, and then God performs miracle after miracle and eventually Pharaoh relents to let God's people go. But then as they leave he pursues them with his armies all the way to the bank of the Red Sea. And then when it seems like all could be lost, God parts the waters of the sea and the Israelites walk to freedom together on dry ground, just before the waters come crashing back in, sweeping Pharaoh and his armies away. Defeated, the people of God delivered. That's Exodus chapter 14. And then, and then there's chapter 15, which is basically just a big song of praise about how amazing God is and how he's rescued his people and how he had their back and he led them forward. The problem was, is that then it seems like God wasn't in a rush to bring the Israelites to their final destination. They were still on a journey. And when they crossed the Red Sea, they crossed into a desert. It wasn't quite the promised land that they'd been hoping for. And so just a few weeks after this incredible act of provision and protection and rescue, uh, by God, the grumbling kicks in, fueled in large part 
by the rose-tinted mist of nostalgia uh, that covered the people's eyes as they looked back. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, they said. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now it's worth pointing out that this wasn't the case. Actually in Exodus 1 uh, we read about a new king who actually came to power in Egypt and he was concerned about the Israelites becoming a potential threat within Egypt and so he said, Exodus 1, come we must deal shrewdly with the Israelites. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labour and he worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with hard work in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their hard labour, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. You know, it wasn't great being a slave in Egypt. But regardless of the past, the fact was that the Israelites were going through a huge disruptive moment of change and transition. And their hopes and their expectations of the present moment were dashed. You know, regardless of what God may have done for them a few weeks ago, they felt their needs for today weren't being met. And so they were grumpy. You know, and I guess we can relate. Yeah, so what might God want to teach us today in our moment of challenge? Well, I want us to zoom in uh, quickly, just onto verses 9 to 11. Because the first thing that we see as the people of God grumbled is that God listened. Verse 9. Then Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. You know, when you grumble, God listens. He hears you. When you're upset and fed up, he hears you. You know, we see this throughout scripture. In the Psalms, especially this amazing book of songs and poems in the middle of the Bible, uh, where people pour out their hearts, their concerns and fears and frustrations, as well as their joy and their praise. You know, we see that God is not afraid to listen to your rants as well as your worship. You know, so I, I want to affirm you today in your full range of emotion. You know, and the fact that through it all, God is listening. He hears you when you feel on top of the world and when you're in a grump. You know, or even in the depths of despair. He's there. He's listening. So the big point today is that when you grumble, God listens. And what does grumbling get you? Well, grumbling gets you grace. You know, I find this remarkable. You know, God has done so much for the Israelites. And then moments later, they're moping about, they're fed up, they're mumbling to themselves about how disappointed they are. You know, I mean, we just saw what happened to the Egyptians. If I was God, I'd be thinking, right, 
get those ungrateful Israelites back in the Red Sea, and no part in the waves this time, you guys are getting wet. You know, fortunately for everyone, I'm not God. And so instead, we read that while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of God appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat. And in the morning you'll be filled with bread. And then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. So the people grumble. And instead of God saying, right, that's it. They've had their chance to trust me. They don't deserve my help. They don't deserve my love. God says, right, I'll show them. I'll give them everything they need again you know this is the grace of God you know, I heard some really helpful definitions once that that mercy is not receiving what you deserve and grace is receiving what you don't deserve and this is what our God deals in mercy and grace and what does grace look like for his people in the desert, well, it looks like God's presence and God's provision. You know, verse 10, uh, we read that the whole community of Israel looked and there was the glory of the Lord. You know, God hadn't left them. He could handle their grumbling and he can handle yours. Tell God how you really feel, because he's listening. And then in verse 12, we hear about bread from heaven. Yeah, this is God's provision. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I love. It wasn't just bread. It wasn't just bread in the morning, but then God rains down like spicy chicken wings in the evening. It was, you know, quail. Yeah, I guess it tastes like chicken. Yeah, everything tastes like chicken, huh? You know, but this is the abundant provision of God. Pots of meat, just like the Israelites have been grumbling about. You know, I want to encourage you today that, that God hears you. He hears you when you're up and he hears you when you're down. And God is with you, whether you feel right or whether you feel wrong. And, and God will feed you. He knows what you need. And he's got even more than that for you. That is the grace that God's people find in the desert. And that's the grace that God has for you. Now, God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to live and to die and to rise again for you. So that he could make a way for you to receive his grace, his presence and his provision. So however you are feeling today, know that God hears you. God's with you. God wants to give you everything that you need and more. You know, I hope that this is an encouragement to you in your, in your personal life as you, as you call out honestly to God and experience his grace today. You know, but I also think that this Exodus story is an amazing and timely gift to us as a church family right now. You know, this is a picture of us 
on our journey, you know, in transition, unable to go back to the things that we're used to. But rather than just looking over our shoulder, we allow God to make a new way forward together. And even if that new way feels a little bit like a desert for some time, we can be reassured that it's in the desert that God's people are met with his grace and his provision. Amazing grace, always. So as we step forward together, we step forward into grace. Yeah, as I close, I want to rewind and finish in the same way that I did last week. Yeah, picturing the scene of God's people together back on the shore, you know, back on the other side of the Red Sea. Yeah, you might want to close your eyes, smell the salt in the air, yeah, the waves are crashing and then Moses lifts his hands, the wind blows and the waters begin to part and then the family of God walks forward together. The farmers and the poets, the rich and the poor, the anxious and the excited, the old and the young together, hand in hand, together, the family of God stepping forward, walking through the miracle together. Now this is a picture for us, a picture of us. Over the last six months, members of our church family have been born. You know, some have turned nine and others have turned 90. We're a diverse family, diverse in age and experience and opinion, diverse in race and work and wealth, but we are united as a family by the blood of Jesus and God is inviting us to step forward together. And whatever, wherever it is that we step forward together into, we know that we will encounter his amazing grace. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you hear us, that your promise is never to leave us, that you are always ready to meet our needs and more, always. Thank you for your undeserved grace. And as we continue to journey together as a church family, here is a Paul Shadwell, guide us, Protect us through it all. May we keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord Jesus.